Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we once again have to look into the bread of life, look into the holy written word. Father, we know that we're not just reading a historical history book. We're not just reading some philosophy. We're not even just reading some teachings. But Lord, we're reading your holy written word. We thank you that it's anointed. We thank you that it's from your heart. And Lord, we thank you that it penetrates not only our minds and our souls, but penetrates our very being and our spirit and makes a difference and brings life and health and blessing with it. And we thank you for these things. We thank you that the comments that are made along with that uh, make a difference in the lives of those who are listening and hearing. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. God bless you. I enjoyed our worship and praise this morning. Uh, some good words that we sang. And, uh, you know, music just has a way of, 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 uh, lifting us up emotionally. And, um, that's okay. You know, it's okay to be touched in your emotions. Did you know that the word of faith movement wouldn't let us have any feelings, but, We've decided to put a few back. Amen. We just don't want to be led by our feelings, but we can have them. Amen. Especially when the Lord is touching us and the word is, is, uh, exploding in our hearts. Amen. All right. Praise God. Um, I want you to turn to Romans 417. This is a familiar passage of scripture, uh, to most of you that are here and those that some of you that are watching that's been following our ministry for some time, um, you know these these are these are not like shockingly new scriptures that you've never heard. You have to look and see if it's really in the Bible. Praise God! But um, there was a certain message that I wanted to bring to you today about Romans four seventeen. And, of course, it's the story of Abraham and his faith. So I entitled it simply Abraham's Faith and How It Worked. But it's also God's faith and and what he did uh, and what he said and the encouragement for us. Amen? So, you know, if God's doing it, we can do it. And if it's wrong for us to do it, it would be wrong for God to do it. Uh, so um, you can... Learn a lot just by reading the scriptures and reading the stories and understanding them and say, how can I apply this to my situation? How can I apply this to my circumstance and, and my life? And, um, uh, boy, it's good to hear the word, but also to be a doer. And part of being a doer of the word isn't just necessarily going out and, you know, serving your neighbor or whatever. That's what we've always heard on being a doer. But another way to be a doer, and that's good, praise the Lord, keep doing your thing. But I'm saying that part of being a doer of the word means uh, to see how you can apply it and 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 make it work for you. And that would be a doer of the word, wouldn't it? I'm doing the word, I'm hearing the word, I'm confessing the word, but I'm also doing it. And uh, in doing it, I'm able to to uh, get all that you can out of it. Hallelujah. 
and it make a difference in your life. A lot of people go to church for years, decades, and never really much changes. You wonder, why is that? Why is there no fruit? Why is there no testimony of the Lord moving? And oftentimes it's because we're just going, it's almost like listening to the Declaration of Independence for the 17th time. You know, uh, after a while, if you're not careful, your mind wanders and you're thinking about, I wonder if, if we can get out of this event and beat the parking out or something, you know, and you can, that can happen in church too. I'm telling you, you can be just drifting off and, uh, and singing. Uh, Brother Hagen said one time, it's good to sing familiar songs, but sometimes it's good to sing a new song that's got words that make you think. You have to read them <laughs> and you have to think about what you're reading because it's easy with something that's hand clapping and that we all know and easy to sing. It's easy to let your mind wander and almost parrot the words instead of really uh, think about what you're saying, what you're singing. Amen? So I, this is a little John Osteen kind of encouragement on the Bible, probably Baptist. But um, I love what John Osteen said about the Baptist. You know, he, he used to say, and we love Baptists, praise the Lord. We love everybody, right? But John Osteen used to say, he says, when I was in the Baptist church, we used to stand and sing, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. And he said, I got one more, and they kicked me out. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. Uh, Romans 4. Now, let's start um, at verse 1, actually, because we're gonna, we're not gonna read every verse here, but we're gonna get down to 17. I want you to see that what God really wants us to understand about Abraham was his faith, not his works in the flesh, so to speak. Cause you'll see here, so this is a great grace lesson. Now it's a, it's a great faith lesson, but it's also full of God's grace. And I'm going to show you how, and I think you're going to be pretty excited about it. I'm excited about it. Uh, so I, hopefully it's contagious in some way. Okay, uh, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? Now, when Paul is talking about the flesh, he's not talking about drinking, smoking, and dancing. When Pentecostals talk about the flesh, that's what they're usually thinking. But when Paul is talking about the flesh, he's talking about doing anything in the flesh to gain right standing with God. For example, in Moses' law, there were many flesh uh, uh, things that you had to do to consider to be uh, in favor with God. Amen? You had to circumcise your babies and you had to... Uh, you had to, uh, you know, do certain cleansings and only eat certain foods and, you know, head coverings and all kind of gear and everything that you had to have going to stay in favor with God. And so that's what, when Paul says flesh, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about, again, doing anything in the flesh to gain favor with God. Amen. Now, we certainly don't, there is the side of our flesh that has its appetites. There's a, there's a, a, a food, an appetite for food and nourishment. Amen. 
Uh, if you don't believe you have one, just go a while without eating and you'll suddenly find that all you can think about is a hamburger or something. You know, if I could just get you know, eventually, and if you're on a diet or some protocol, you'll find that can go out the window if you get too hungry. You got to be careful, you know, because you'll just about eat anything to satisfy that demand. So there's a, there's a, there's flesh appetites and there's appetites in other areas. There's a sexual appetite. There's an appetite sometimes for entertainment, something to occupy your mind. So there's all these, uh, flesh appetites that any of them that go to the extreme get into the area of sin against God and, and your, your body actually can become against the will of God and there's always a price to pay for that, isn't there? So I hope this is helping you. So we almost have two definitions of flesh here. Also, the flesh, uh, can act, we say a person can be in the flesh if they lose their temper. Uh, easily, and they're mad, they throw things, they kick things, they curse the cat, they whatever they do, and, uh, you know, they're, uh, it, we say, well, they're in the flesh, meaning that they're letting just their, their emotions, their flesh, what they feel, rule, rule and run them, instead of it being, um, reined in, reeled in a bit, and, and under the blood and under the name of Jesus. Amen? But when Paul is talking about flesh, especially if he's talking about comparing uh, righteousness by flesh as opposed to righteousness, which is fulfilled by law-keeping, as opposed to righteousness by faith in the finished work of Christ, that's, so that's the context. Okay, does that make sense? So when he says, uh, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. Now look. That's a question. What shall we say? He said. For if Abraham, look at verse two, uh, were justified by works, just, see those three words, justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. In other words, he could say, I'm like Paul, remember in Philippians three was bragging about, I have seven things here. That I could brag about. I was, uh, you know, a tribe of Benjamin, a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I, uh, was circumcised the eighth day. You know, in other words, if anybody has cause to boast about their pedigree in works, Paul said, nobody can beat me. But he said, I count all of that, any pedigree or praise or honor that I would get from my flesh works, I count it as dung. Now that's not a good word in English. Spanish is a little nicer. It's basura, which is trash, which is better. But, uh, we'll just go with the King James people. And they called it dung. And a nice way to say dung is excrement, which is not nice to think about before Sunday brunch. But that's what the word says. So you can see Paul, the writer of this, is the same guy that called works for justification. As dung. Now, he's not saying that good works are bad. He's not saying, well, don't do any good works because they're all dung. He's not saying that. He's saying if you count your good works that you've earned the love of God, you've earned the justification, you've earned righteousness, then you're in trouble. But 
So, so get that straight. Amen. We don't need to get in the ditch with this and become wackos. We can understand a complex concept uh, a little bit with some complexities. We can understand that. Amen. If we can, if we can, uh, program our remote control, we can understand the scripture. And now you can just talk into it. Turn the channel, and it does. Our cars talk, our car talks to us. Scarlett and I will be driving along, and something triggers the thing, and it says the, the 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 robot in the car starts talking. What can I do for you? Nothing. Go away. You know, I say nothing. Go away. I can't help you with that right now. This is weird. This thing's driving itself. So, if Abraham were justified by works, he could glory in that. We could, couldn't we? We've heard the testimonies. I've been in the church for, you know, what one sister used to stand up and say, I've been in the way for 35 years. And my mother said under her breath, it's time you get out of the way because you're hindering progress. But folks used to, Wednesday night testimony time, if you're not careful, it would turn to how great I art instead of how great thou art. <laughs> Woo, okay, that's uh, nobody's shouting on that, but that's the truth. Not before God. In other words, God, God's not, God's not, God's not giving you anything extra because you have the 25 year Sunday school pen on. Now, the Sunday school people are happy for about it, but, you know, and it can be good. But it doesn't mean that it's something that you would testify about. If we testify, we need to testify of him and his goodness and his grace and his mercy, not what a great prayer tither person I am or whatever, right? Those things are a privilege to do. What a, you know, what a friend we have in Jesus is what a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. That's not a prayer team badge wearer, you know, gold star. I had a, I got a gold star, but that's not for a good thing. That's, that's, uh, from the army, uh, to commemorate Chris, you know, but you know, we think about gold stars on the chart, you know. <laughs> They get a gold star on the chart from the Lord because we have a 25-year Sunday school pen on, Rebecca class or something, you know. Uh, Becky, Becky Thatcher, I don't know. For what saith the Scripture, verse 3, you getting anything out of this? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So what was counted to him for righteousness was his faith. His faith, not his actions. Uh, now, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And uh, anyway, he goes on and on, and this is a great grace lesson here, but we're going to jump down to the faith of Abraham to kind of see what what happened here and we know the story but we have to go over it again so uh 
Look at verse 14. For if they which are of the law are heirs, faith is made void. You see, that's the reason the Old Covenant doesn't work for salvation. The Old Covenant can point out our sin, but for one thing, the altar of sacrifice was closed down permanently with Jesus. And so, you know, we got all these folks excited about where they're going to rebuild the temple and they're going to put, well, that's certainly a sign of the time as far as the timeline of eschatology and so forth. But it has nothing to do with, with, with our worship or our righteousness. And I, I'm sorry, I think I know some Christians that when they open the temple and they're starting to cut the heads off of stuff and everything, they're going to be there trying to dance around with tambourines and sing as if some great thing has happened. And it's really pretty sad when you think about it because it's a deception. Oh boy, that goes over big, doesn't it? Gets me voted on for the next speaker at the conference, but... uh but I'm telling you, uh, it says, if they which are of the law are heirs, faith is made void. Now, I don't know what people today are doing with those scriptures, but there they are. I'm sorry. I just have to preach to you what I didn't write this. <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit wrote it. Well, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, they're really into this thing. And, you know, they're excited and they're, you know, they're wearing yarmulkes and you know, waving pom-poms, it's fine if you want to celebrate culture. That's great. It's a cultural thing. It has nothing to do with the Lord, and it has nothing to do with our righteousness. Oh, David, get out of the weeds! There's snakes and alligators in there. They can bite you. I'm sorry, I just have to, I just have to say it because I'm reading Paul. By the way, with some of these meetings, Paul's not very popular anymore because of him saying stuff like this. You'll never hear, almost you'll never hear a New Testament scripture quoted, only old, because we don't want to offend anybody that doesn't agree with the new. God help us. I'm telling you, we need to be gospel preachers. And leave the... <laughs> Scarlett always says her father would say, let the rough end drag. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> My problem is, I'm. can I conf make a confession? My problem is I'm out there pointing out the rough end. Look, this is dragging here. David, nobody wants to talk about that. You just lost your VIP seat. You're, you're on the sixth row. You took your card down. All right, for if they which are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. That means that as non-law people, we'll just say that, politically correct, that means we're really in trouble because we can only be in in God through Christ, not through Moses, not through Abraham even, not through the law, only through Christ. In Christ alone, we sing that hymn, in Christ alone, I put my trust. Amen? Yeah. 
That's why they used to sing the old song, you know, I cling to the old rugged cross. Well, we need to cling to the cross, but we also need to cling to the resurrection and cling to the being seated. Don't just stay at the cross. The cross is important, but the the throne is even more important. Because that was the the des, Jesus' final destination wasn't the cross. His final destination was the seat of authority at the right hand of God. And we're seated with him in heavenly places. See, there's where your victory is. That's where your victory is. Well, praise the Lord. All right, we're going to keep plowing through this. I promise I won't preach all day. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Then we get into this good part about Abraham's faith, and that's what I want to show you. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace, by what? There's that horrible, terrible, heretical doctrine of grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law. I've been to meetings where they have genealogical charts up. I'm not kidding. And they're trying to show who's, you know. I only need one genealogical chart, and that is what Paul said. I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I mean, some of my relatives, I look at them, and I'm wondering if maybe one or two of them might not be the missing link. I don't know. I don't know where my genealogical chart ends up on the other end. It's, somebody said, be very careful what you what you research. You might not like what you find. <laughs> ah! Scary. <laughs> you know, find out you're related to Jack the Ripper or something, you know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, help us, Lord. Not only that which is of the law, but that which is also of the faith of Abraham. Woo, there, say, that means me. And who is the father of us all in faith, a father in faith. He's not our heaven. Abraham's not our heavenly father. We're not born of his corruptible seed. We are born of the incorruptible seed of the father God. So he says, Abraham's our father. He, he's not our heavenly father. Don't get that confused. He's our father of faith. In other words, our example, our mentor in faith. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Past tense. And he said that. Remember, we went over this a couple of weeks ago. He said that before there was a baby. And I saw something so spectacular in this, is why I'm preaching it today, to show you, as is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. You can't see it yet. It doesn't look like it's true. But God's saying it's not only so, but it's past tense. In God's mind, it's already happened. Now, are you ready for something exciting? Okay, I'm going to wait because I'm not going to 
You have to wait till the whipped cream's on before you can put the cherry. Otherwise, you can't find the cherry. And the Sunday looks stupid. All right. Who against hope, believed in hope, that he might, in other words, against all odds, we would say. We, we, don't, we don't really know what that means. It, it, I mean, the meaning is lost to us over centuries. But we can, in, in practical terms, it's like against all odds, against anything anybody would bet on. <laughs> Amen. He believed in hope, against all hope. That he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, not according to that which is which is seen right now, but according to what God said. I'm going to put my faith according to what God said. He so shall thy seed be. Say that means me. And being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now that's a little King James, uh, you know, they overthought this and wrote it that way. Actually, in other translations, which are a, a little better here on this verse, it says even after considering, because he did. He did consider it because he didn't believe it at first. And, and Sarah his wife, who was named Sarah after God had said it, laughed about it and said, this is ridiculous. I'm 90 years old and uh, Abram's 99 and heading to 100 fast. And uh, this is ridiculous. But so they did consider it. But the Bible says that even after considering it, uh, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith Giving glory to God. Now, I've been preaching on this the whole time I've pastored here. Remember, we went around going glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Well, you know, something's happened. Got a bad report from the doctor. What are you saying about it? Glory to God. That doesn't mean glory to God for the bad report, but glory to God in spite of the bad report. Amen. So it says he was strong in faith. How, what does, what does strong faith look like? Or maybe, again, I'll demonstrate according to the scripture. What does strong faith look like? Glory to God. Okay. A couple of you just missed it. I said, what does strong faith look like? Glory to God. That's what it looks like right there. Amen. What are you going to do about the bill that looks like you can't pay? Glory to God. What are you going to do about what the doctor said? Glory to God. What are you going to do about you know, something else that's a problem. The, 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 the letter you got from the attorney or whatever. Glory to God. Why? Because I'm, I'm believing God. Now, this is, this is starting to get whipped cream. Being fully persuaded that what he had promised God he was able also to perform. Now think about it. We make faith hard because we think, well, I've got to believe God for this, you know, impossible health situation to flip. I've got to believe God for this impossible looking financial situation to turn. I've got to believe God for this situation with my children, grandchildren, family to turn. 
It looks impossible. The last thing they've said is really bad. I don't know. I gotta believe, I gotta, I gotta turn, I gotta take my faith like a giant wrench <laughs> and turn the rusty nut off and try to get this thing turned. That's how we've been taught. Build your faith. Use it as a tool. If you're, if it's not working, you gotta have more and stronger. Well, there, it's a little off according to this because what Abraham did is he just simply turned all of his faith into one thing. Is God able to do what he's promised? And will he keep his word? That's what he used his faith on. He says he, he didn't say he was fully, fully persuaded that he was the father of many nations. It says he was fully persuaded that what God had said will come to pass. Woo! John died. Oh my gosh. Can I say gosh? Oh Lord. We forget this sometimes. I call it the fog of war. In the midst of our battles. In the midst of the smoke and the stench and the mud. If you don't know what war looks like, turn on the news. There it is. World War II style devastation from our friend Vladimir Putin. There you have war. Today, modern. There was a picture of a train, a passenger train, trying to leave one of the uh, major uh, train stations. In America, if you've not traveled to Europe, in other parts of the world, our idea of a train is, you know, excursion or some little something. We don't really use the train much like we did. But in Europe, every town has a train station. And you can buy a U-rail pass and and uh, you can renew it and you can get around on the train just like you used to be able to do here. So when you see these trains, it's it's just an interesting... It's a part of their transportation system. It is life. And so you see these trains lined up, and the train has a capacity, so many seats, so many even seats or places to stand or whatever. And I saw, I saw a picture of the train trying to leave, I think, Kiev. And um, there must have been half a million people or something trying to pack into these one train car to leave, to evacuate. And somebody did a picture on Facebook uh, where they removed the color out of the photograph so it looks exactly like a World War II scene that you would have seen from the 40s. Listen, folks, not a whole lot's changed since then. We've got, you know, better, so we say better technology, but... Once the bombs start falling and the missiles start getting fired and the people start running with a suitcase, it looks scarily and the, the mass graves are being dug, which is already happening. It looks scarily like 1942 in the middle of Eastern Europe. I'm telling you. So you, how many understand the fog of war? 
the bombs are falling and people are running and there's smoke and there's, there's, you know, devastation. And it's hard to think what to do because, and then you're a little bit in shock. You ever had something happen in your life that shocked you? That was a surprise. That wasn't something you were counting on. And so it's, it's easy, it's easy to forget the things of the spirit in the midst of it, but we have to remind ourselves and stop in the middle of it and say, I don't care how I feel. I don't care if I get a confirmation from the prophet of the week. <laughs> right? I don't care. I don't care what is said to me, what is done to me, what is written to me. I don't care about any of that. I only care about what God promised is he able to perform and and if and if he isn't then he shouldn't have said it hallelujah i'm going to i'm going to get this said so i want to go back to one thing and then we'll wrap this up today cuz i i don't want to i don't want to cloud it with too many words sometimes you can over preach and then you kind of miss the point So it's interesting that God, that it says in verse 17 that what God had promised, I mean, that, that, that God who calleth those things that be not as though they were. So God called Abraham, Abram, God called Abram, Abraham, and, and it's, it's synonymous with its meaning. It means the father of many nations. And he did that not only before there was any conception of a baby, but he, God did that knowing. Now, this part should make you shout. He did that knowing what Abraham was going to do in the flesh. He did that knowing that Abram and Because God knows everything. How many believe God knows everything? We ain't, we're not pulling off some creative stunt that he, well, that just, would nobody in heaven had any idea that would happen. No, God knows everything. And even though we have a free will and a free choice to decide, he knows what we're going to do in advance. And uh, so, how many know, believe God knew what Abram was going to do? He knew that Abram was going to doubt. He knew that Sarah was going to doubt. He knew that she, that they were going to laugh, uh, almost mock it. Uh, he knew that they were going to get tired of standing and get in the flesh <laughs> and do an arm of the flesh move and uh, get ha- Hagar the terrible involved <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> Amen. And create an Ishmael, which the children of Israel are still dealing with the results of that today. And so, you know, here you have uh, this Abram, the, the faith of Abraham is this title. And the faith of Abraham started out on shaky ground. I'm telling you, it was not pretty. He was not the example of, yes, for I shall be Abraham and I always have the greatest faith and I do everything God's... That's what we've imagined. It's been preached like that. Like these people are like the gods from Mount Olympus and you can't touch them. 
Are you, are you, are you listening? And we think, oh, I could never measure up to that. And even though the Bible tells us in James that Elijah was a man with like passions like us. In other words, he's trying to say Elijah wasn't some God from Mount Olympus either. Not some special thing that when he walked around, he, he glowed like he'd been in a, a plutonium mine too long. I mean, you know, glow in the dark. Uh, did you see that glow about Uncle Rufus? I don't know. Well, well, he's worked in a plutonium mine for years, and now he glows green at night, especially when he smiles. Be careful. Put your eye out. I don't, you know, I'm just saying that, that that's, that's not Elijah. Elijah was a man uh, who, who got discouraged, you know, and wanted to quit. And his gourd died. <laughs> and all that, you know. I mean, it was just like uh, normal. Hello? You can be in Christ and be normal. And then really that's all you're ever going to be. And all we want to be. God designed salvation. Is this helping you? God designed salvation. Don't, in other words... Lighten up on yourself. Well, I'm trying to walk in faith. I tell you, it's hard. You know, it's like, shut up in the name of Jesus. Quit your whining and blowing snot and, and, and settle down and say, this salvation, I've never said this before, this will work. <laughs> This salvation and sanctification and faith is designed exactly for somebody like me. I'm a perfect candidate. Well, I think you're kind of just a screw up. Yep. That's the beauty of it. That this love and mercy and grace and goodness of God was designed for screw-ups. Glory. Well, I wish the church was full to hear this. Because people think, for me to operate in Abraham level of faith, I've got to become some kind of a super-Christian. Some kind of a some kind of an over-the-top, do-no-wrong, think-no-wrong, say-no-wrong, perfection of flesh on fire for Jesus before I can be even remotely in a place to claim these kinds of things. The folks, Abraham is a perfect example of no faith and no trust and totally in the flesh until he got with the program and turned it around. So at any time you can get with the program is the point. Well, I don't know. I've said so many bad things about this area and I've confessed that I don't know. And I've even, I've even given up a time or two and I've, gotten discouraged, and I know that discouragement's like the unpardonable sin in the faith movement. And I just don't know. 
the Richard Nixon anointing comes on you and you shake those jowls. And like I said, the older I get, the easier it is to shake them. Because they get longer and longer. Until one day, they could become a lethal weapon. You could shake your head no and put somebody's eye out. No. Ah, my eye, my eye! Okay, sorry. Dark humor. Uh, no pun intended, dark humor. Okay. All right. Um, now, what I want you to see is this, is that... Um, God called Abram, Abraham, which is a great blessing, father of many nations, even before Abram agreed with it. Even before, and he changed his name to Abraham, even before Abraham became really Abraham in the sense of manifestation, God called him that anyway. Now think about that. What's God called us? <laughs> Glory. I'm about ready to walk the backs of the pews like T.L. Lowry. Polyurethane hair and patent leather shoes. Our preachers always looked like they were on fire. Their hair was on fire. But I'll tell you, that's exciting. God has called me healed from the finished work of Christ. God's called, let's just start over. God's called me righteous. Even when I sometimes miss it. Even when I sin. Even when I blow it. He still calls me righteous. (laughs) Do you get that? He calls me faithful when I'm not faithful. He calls me healed when I'm saying, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to survive this thing. He still calls me healed. He calls me blessed even though, I don't know, I'm out of money. You know, you got more month than money. You ever heard of that? I got more month than money. I don't know what to do. I don't, oh my God, we're going to lose the house. You know, and, and confess something just horrible. God still says, you're the blessed of the Lord. Abraham's blessings are yours. You're above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. You're blessed going in, going, coming in and going out. You're blessed in the city and you're blessed out of town. And all you're doing is griping and complaining. I don't know how we're going to make it. If gas prices get any higher, we're going to have to hire a mule. God is still saying, you're blessed. You have abundance. I meet your needs according to my riches in glory. Not according to what the White House says in their daily lie (laughs) and nonsense. It's like, hey, you want to watch the nonsense report? It's called cover-up the whole time. How come the president and I, well, 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 doesn't matter. God doesn't check 
with the Fed to see what the interest rates are before he calls you blessed. Are y'all listening to this? Is anybody getting anything? Glory. I'm on fire because I want to be. I'm telling you, God, when I think about, when I think about my problems and my challenges and my, what's on my plate to accomplish, and I think, oh my God, some days you just feel like, can I, can you even do this? Can you even go forward? Can you even still whatever function? And, 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 and I have to remember, God says I'm blessed. God says I'm prosperous. God says I'm healed. God says I'm favored. God says I'm above and not beneath. And I'm not going to be like Abram and Sarah. I'm going to be like Abraham and Sarah. I'm going to believe God. And that means, what does that mean? I'm going to believe God. I'm going to agree with what God says about me. Well, now the leading surgeon in this area has said that this is your problem. Yeah, well, he's a liar in compared to what God said. You understand what I mean by that? Let God be true and every man a liar, including myself, if I don't agree with what God said. And it's so easy to get in the flesh. It's so easy to stop trusting God. It's so easy to create an Ishmael. Like I said, Ishmaels are easy to create, hard to get rid of. Anybody ever made one? I have. I get to thinking, God's not helping me. Nothing's happening. I'm going to do this by myself. And that's always a mistake. (laughs) His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher. Praise God. And in that, He does not allow His Word to return void. I'm telling you, God was determined to have a, a son of promise out of Abraham and Sarah. Because that's part of the lineage to get to Christ. That's why the begats are in the Bible, so you can see it. (laughs) In case you're questioning, well, I don't know if he's the Messiah. Well, the Bible says he is, and it proves it with genealogical charts. Amen? It's called a pedigree. And if you're going to go buy a racehorse, you want to see the pedigree all the way back to you know, Queen Victoria or something on this horse. If you buy a dog and you really, you want to show this dog and you want to win things, you're going to have to go back and look at the pedigree. Well, praise God, our Savior has a pedigree. And it goes back exactly to where it's supposed to go. And He is the second man, Adam. And we are born of His lineage and of His pedigree. Whoa! Preach, Pastor. So, you know, I don't know. I never just, I never really connected those things till today for this sermon, this service. That, you know, it's always us calling those things that be not as though they were. But remember, it was God that did it first. And God called us blessed even before. God called us 
blessed even before we made one move of faith, before we corrected one thing. And see, there's this message like that, well, you got to correct everything first, then you can expect the blessing of God. Well, then it's impossible to get saved. Because while we were yet sinners, there's only one faith, folks. It's not like a faith for salvation and a faith for something else. There's one message, one word, one Savior, one one Bible, one Holy Spirit. Are you listening? And so you don't, if if faith, if faith has all these uh, quid pro quos and caveats for healing, then it's got to have it for salvation, which makes it null and void. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's why I I I I I I flinch at at writings like getting in a position to get healed. You know, you got to think of everybody you've ever offended, write them letters, and and go through all this rigmarole. And it's like, well, do you have to do that to get saved? So if you don't have to do that to get saved, why would you have to do that to get healed? Why do you? Is it a good thing to forgive people? Yes. Is it a good thing to ask for forgiveness if you're being the offender? Yes, sure. It helps your soul. It doesn't do one thing for God, but it helps you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's not withholding from you because you got a problem with your, you know, sister-in-law or something. Are y'all listening? But we don't need to hold. That's a whole other message. Walk in love. Absolutely. We, we need to forgive. We need to be forgivers and all that. Amen. But none of that has any to do with the redemptive work of Christ and His blood. Amen? It's a lot easier to write the forgiveness letters if you're already healed. (laughs) Amen? All right. Glory. Let's lift our hands and praise Him a minute. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, before we pray for the Internet, folk. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we praise You. We thank You for the Word. We thank You for faith. We thank You for victory. We thank you. We call those things which be not as though they were over our church, our lives, our children, uh, our friends, our enemies. Lord, everybody, we, we speak the word in Jesus' name. Now, if you're watching on internet, you have a, a healing need, put your hand where you're suffering. Jesus will touch you there, same as in, here in the, the sanctuary. And um, I'm going to pray for you, Father, in Jesus' name. We just lift these up that are watching, that are believing, that are praying with us right now. In the name of Jesus, be healed today from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors to dry up and disappear, evil spirits to depart and to leave people alone, those that are of struggling in their mind with mental illness or some kind of oppression or depression in Jesus' name, be set free today. Those that have a, a material or financial need, Lord, I thank you that you meet that need t- this week, that you show yourself strong. Lord, you can open the door for a promotion. You can open the door for opportunity. You can bring new clients and more sales and 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 more uh, favor in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.